0: It's just hard, you know, and I just I, I thought the whole time I thought, you know, I can walk through any mall or store or whatever. And like not a single person would ever know I have cancer. Um, and sometimes there are days when I hate that because I feel like crap and I just want people to understand mm-hmm. and then there are days when I'm so thankful for that because like I don't right. have to talk about it every day you don't have to explain it to people all the time yeah. if I don't want to you know and then you know I watched my friend Sarah lose her hair she's beautiful long thick beautiful long blonde hair and she lost her hair mm-hmm. you know and like she can't walk through Target without people knowing mm-hmm. you know or assuming anyway you know the like She's going. What she's going through, yeah. you know, and like that's she can't hide from it. She can't get away from it.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is Jared Basson with Mark McCain, and you are listening to Triumph Every Day. We discuss the journeys that shape the lives of our guests and how it brought them to where they are today. And today we have a uh, special guest, Tamara Skoll. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Tamara just got done with a little barbell club, so some uh, little deload week, which is always nice. It is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Get done, get done with uh, things a little bit early, usually, as well. Sometimes it drags on for what seems like ever, but 70% is always nice to hit. Um, Tamara has uh, been with our barbell club for... How long now? Do you have any idea?
0: I started last year. I think in May. In May. Yeah. After the spring weightlifting meet, whatever it was. Yeah.
1: That was yeah, here, yeah.
0: and I lifted here. And
1: Is it Earth Movers? The first yeah. Earth Movers one. Yeah. Yep. It was, yeah. and we kind of made uh, a little transition over and started coming here a little more regularly. But that's also not the first time that we met. We, you actually originally went to that Covington gym that we. Yeah, a on hundred years at. ago. Yeah. I think
0: Mark was my like on ramp. There I trainer That's like 100 possible. years ago, yeah. back on a Groupon.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but, so we've known each other for some time now, and uh, it's obviously been been a little bit of a journey. Um, have you, are you actually from the Cincinnati, North Kentucky area?
0: No, I'm not. I, um, I was born in Florida, um, moved to Kentucky when I was like four or five, um, but spent my whole life in Western Kentucky in Owensboro. which is like three hours west right along the river um but on the indiana end of kentucky right on the river
1: gotcha how'd you make your way towards uh towards the area
0: um so i ended up going to law school at chase at northern kentucky university so um i in a real roundabout way i had a friend from that i met when i lived in owensboro who lived in evansville which is just you know it's further from further than it is from like Covington to Cincinnati, but say, similar concept, right? Uh-huh. Like right across, the next city across the river from Owensboro. Um, and <clears throat> we uh, we met at a barbecue, um, and we were dating people who were friends and we became really good friends and she's from Lawrenceburg. So at some point she moved back, I wanna say in like 2008 or 2009, you know, and we kept in touch and then whenever I decided to come to law school, I actually lived with her the hmm. first year and she lives down in Covington um, uh, near Latonia Terrace um, and so I, that's where I lived my first year of law school and then I moved out, got my apartment, finished law school um, and lived there for a while and then I bought a house and so this is where I am now. Now you are, you're this here. This is where I live now.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um, was there was there Was it just like things fell in your lap and you kind of were like well this is I have a job here now so I should buy a house or is it like yeah. I am I enjoy being here, so I want to stay.
0: Well, I would say both. Yeah. I uh, when I started law school, um, I didn't really know like where I wanted to be or whatever. I mean, I was like fine with being here. So growing up in Owensboro, significantly smaller than than the Cincinnati metro area, right? Because you know, like Florence is small, but it's surrounded by so many other things that it doesn't seem small. And Covington doesn't seem small, and Cincinnati doesn't seem small to me, especially. You know, I grew up in a really small. Um, area and so I I can
2: speak to that it seems really big to me too where are you from very small town northeast Ohio. Oh, okay yeah
0: Yeah, so it felt big and exciting and cool when I was here and then like my first summer out of law school I did an internship in the Bronx in New York Um, and then I was like well I want to live in New York and so you know I like tried you know a lot of avenues to get into even bigger metropolitan areas but it's really hard to do that fresh out of law school and everything and so when I did get a job here you know it seemed like it seemed like the right thing so
2: was law always like something you wanted to go into or is it just kind of like I'll try it
0: I think law kind of fell into my lap a little bit um I actually went to undergrad thinking I was going to be a high school English teacher Mm. Um, but turns out I don't like teenagers at all. Right. Um, they're awful. It takes a,
1: it's a it takes a different breed of person to be able to. Yeah,
0: yeah I made it all the way through like three and a half of my four years, um, and I was like starting, you know, the student teaching portion, and I was like
2: Ooh, that's hard pass. I mean, it was yeah. so
0: terrible, and I said, you know, I just can't do this. But the way they were structured it, um, you know, it's in secondary education is you have like a major plus secondary education, right, Mm -hmm. so I had an English degree, Mm -hmm. which is super useful in the real world, um, and so I left college, and I I went, and I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, you know, um, and I, and I really, I liked it, but it was hard work, and it's long Mm -hmm. hours, and, you know, um, and for me, I was commuting a whole like a really really long way because at that point I was not ready to just make the leap and like move wherever my job was. Mm-hmm. Um, at, you know, at 21, that just wasn't what was in it for me. So anyway, I then I you know transitioned into a different sales job which I hated, um, and then I you know I just decided I want to do something that I felt like mattered more mm-hmm. than selling printer copier <laughs> functions. Uh-huh. It, it does matter, right? <laughs> it is so it's so essential to people's businesses. But I just really couldn't get passionate about it, and so I said, you know what? What the hell? I think I'll go to law school. Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> and it's, obviously, it's been working out.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think. I it think is, it's
1: it's definitely probably altered the course of of not just your life, but your probably your your psyche and the way you think about things and people and oh, things like yeah. that. You law know? school
0: changes your brain forever. I'm convinced. Yeah.
1: Well, um, and and you know, and I think I'm where the the area that you've gone into is, you know. You're a public defender, and that's yeah. different than, you know, having, being a high-profile lawyer that's, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're, you're dealing with a common man, so to speak, a lot yeah. more, you know. Um, and some of the cases, and not like cases, but the, the things that you've talked about, um, it seems like you have to care about the people who are coming into your life, even though they may have had some wrongdoing. You have to treat them as just like anybody else, you well,
0: know. I, I want to treat them that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, um... I tell people, you know, the reason I became a public defender is probably a couple of reasons, but number one, it's just because of who I was as a person, you know, like I didn't grow up with, um, all the privileges in the world and everything like that, but, you know, my mom tried really hard, but I was really, really lucky that even though I grew up probably on the lower, like middle class, um, end of things, you know, my mom uh, was a single parent for most of my life, but she never was like a drinker, she never did drugs or anything like that, and for whatever reason, um, I never wanted to do those things either, you know, not more than the normal person, right, like every teenager drinks or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, you do those things, but I never got into those things, and then, you know, when I I finally went to law school, I met somebody, um, a professor and a mentor, who just talked about People, his clients, you know, um, in a way that just made me think, gosh, that is the kind of person I want to be. You Mm -hmm. know, like I just, I want to be the kind of person that can see something good in everybody, no matter, no matter what it is that, like, no matter why they're in front of me, right? Because I'm a criminal defense lawyer, so like, I see people at their worst. You know, Um, I see people at their lowest points. Um, Often they're detoxing from drugs or alcohol, um, and they're angry, and they're frustrated, and they're scared, Um, and they've done something to get themselves in that situation, whether or not it's the thing they're charged with, right? Mm-hmm. But some decision they've made has led to them being incarcerated um, and in this terrible state of mind, you know? And I just, I never want to be the that person that's kicking somebody when they're down. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be that person that's like, look, yeah, I'm not here to make you feel worse about your circumstance.
1: What, um, what responsibility do you find? Like, do you, do you find you have some sort of like, I need to just take care of you in the sense of the law or do you find you give people guidance and things like that along the way?
0: Um, I think that I tend towards the it's not my place to tell you what to do with your life or the choices that you've made or to reinforce the choices that you've made or poor. But I think the most important thing I do for people is not the legal advice because unsurprisingly, people who have had a lot of contact with the criminal justice system often know things better than I did when I started as a lawyer, uh-huh. right? Um, and, you know, they know they know the penalties they're facing. They know what the Commonwealth would have to prove um, against them. They, you know, they're smart. You know, people have this idea that people who commit crimes are stupid. They're not. Um, they're intelligent people who have found themselves in terrible circumstances. But... Um, I think the most important thing that I do is treat people like a human being and like they have dignity and worth um, and listen to them. You know, a lot of times I think people get really frustrated because when they have contact with the criminal justice system, they don't feel heard. They feel like they're just being shuffled through, you know, and everybody's just trying to get the docket done, and they're trying to get to the next docket, um, and they just want to know whether or not you're going to trial. They don't want to hear what anybody has to say, and I think some of the most important conversations I've had with clients are, we'll just... What do you think I need to know? You know, and people feel heard, and I think that's really important.
1: I think that's probably true, and it's not a business, but in any sense of the word, mm-hmm. of having, uh, you know, a relationship with people, people feel like they just need to be, need to be heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and Mark, Mark coins it. I don't know where you got it from, but you know, we don't want a transactional yeah. business. You know, um, I think that's very true. You want, you want these. To have these moments with people, to where you're entering in their life, and more than just a sense of like, come to the gym. All right, I'll see you later. Yeah. You know, I think that's it. Sounds in a, in a in a roundabout way, kind of what you're doing. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Uh, it's not just like, hey, hi, Jim. How you doing? Okay, you're you're going to trial on this day. Okay, yeah. see you later.
0: Right.
2: But yeah. In that, in that sense too, just like we see, in a very lighter sense, you know, not necessarily people's worst days Sometimes whenever they're stepping their first. Into our gym, you know, um, I'd probably say it's probably the minority of, of clients. Yeah. Like, There's been one or two, but not yeah, many. A, a couple people where they're like, "Hey, my doctor says I need to, to come here, or else I'm going to die," and they're yeah. you know or whatever, um, and they're a little bit you know scared and hesitant and intimidated and all these things. And really, all we need to do it's 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 not like all right, well here's our prices. It's hey man, like I'm sorry to hear that, or right. you know. And, yeah. And that's, Hear what they're saying and not try to get their business. Yeah, you're a human being, and you know, and and in that sense, like you said, they're not stupid. They're smart. They know, like, hey, vegetables are good. I should, you know, I, I know that um, I need to stop smoking, yeah, Yeah. and drinking, but I'm addicted. You know, whatever it is. So yeah, there's obviously some crossover anytime you're dealing with um, just human beings. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, people are people are very complex, and I think we're all very good at seeing it in ourselves, you know, and saying like, well, it's complicated. You don't understand. Right. Um, but I don't think, um, I don't think everyone's always as gracious to others Mm -hmm. as they are to themselves or to people that they care about. Right. So if your best friend was struggling with a heroin addiction, you know, you would feel a lot differently about it than somebody you see who is overdosing on the sidewalk. Right. Right. And that's human nature. We're tribe oriented, but, um, I think it's important to just try you know and like even if you find yourself in those terrible I have thoughts about clients sometimes I get so frustrated I hear the same things over and over and over again but that doesn't mean they're not true right it just means that there's a larger population struggling with a particular issue that like I didn't know about mm-hmm. and so it's it's really hard but I am in the business of grace yeah, for sure
2: yeah that self-awareness is so key and just perspective on you know obviously we just uh you know, we're sitting here a couple of days after 9/11, and just having that like reality, you know, sink in every year around this time of like, you know, when it happened, I was in high school, and you Same. don't really understand the gravity of that situation in the moment. But you know, I was like looking back at some of the clips, and now they've got recordings of loved ones calling, you know, home, and I'm just like sends chills up and down my body just thinking about it, because forever their lives are changed mm-hmm. and the forever that city has changed and forever you know so anyway just like reforms of perspective sometimes like that to where I'm like man you know maybe my life's not perfect but at least I've I've got a shot and like for those people for you you're probably just under like I know this seems really bad <laughs> yeah but you know like, yeah we're, we're going to get you through it yeah. and and then you constantly getting that dose of perspective daily. Probably makes you almost appreciate the things you have.
1: And- and not to mention you're you are you're taking in life experiences through someone else's eyes, and mm-hmm. there's no that will kind of like Mark said that will absolutely change you. You know, mm-hmm. you you can't walk around and pretend you didn't just experience you know what that person's going through, mm-hmm. uh, and it gives you a, a different level of understanding. You know, I think, like you said, you give you can give people grace a little bit more whenever you understand the full story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, you know, if you see the guy on the sidewalk that's, you know, maybe overdosing and you've never experienced that before, you're going to make a quick judgment on what that person's life has been like. You've no idea.
0: Yeah, right. exactly. You know?
1: um, and I'm sure you've seen people come from all walks of life. You know, sometimes, it, generally, if you have a little more money, you're not going to be using Public Defender, but at the same but time... But I see
0: them, you know. Yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, it's like, but at the same time, it's like, drugs alcohol addiction you know even very serious crimes you know murder and assault and things like that happens across the board it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter what age race uh, yeah. you know wealth level you're actually at so
0: yeah exactly
1: um, I feel
2: like a lot of people are, are you know not exposed to that though is it kind of what I'm getting at you know, oh so, yeah so just your it's exposure easy to, to
0: that yeah it's easy to be insulated in your mm-hmm. we're tribe oriented right so right. we hang around with people who are like us right and it's comfortable mm-hmm. and it's comforting and so you know I get pushed outside my comfort level all the time um, and it's hard you know yeah. I I can recognize everyone has biases right sure. and, and all of that um, and everybody has them and we have to learn to recognize them and move mm-hmm. past it you know um in my line of work I mean I've just come to terms with so many things where I'm like I have to I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. and like recognize that like I'm uncomfortable why am I uncomfortable and right. like how do I become more comfortable you know and mm-hmm. and I think every single time it just comes down to like seeing this person for who they mm-hmm. are right listening to them and understanding that they have inherent value worth and dignity absolutely you know
2: you know you look at the you know obviously reference to 9-11 obviously you look at, you know, for a lot of people, probably me and myself in particular, I didn't realize the gravity of like what terrorism was until that day. And then obviously, you see the repercussions with how Muslims are treated in this country now, where it's, you know, it's heartbreaking in, in yes. some regards, you know, and obviously the ones that are uh, radical terrorists, and you know, it's justified. But I know we've had several Muslims come through the gym over the years and they've been some of the nicest people you'll we'll ever meet. But it's, you know it's just natural to have that like inclination like if you're on the plane now and you know Mm -hmm. whatever it is and it's it's not right but like you said we all have biases and we all like like you said it's recognizing it Mm -hmm. like all right why am I afraid okay well it was because of this thing happened you know 15 years ago or whatever whatever 17 years ago and um, I need to look past that Mm -hmm. it's fine and uh, you know operate accordingly.
1: Yeah. Um, so one of the uh, big reasons why we, we have you on today is uh, September is a very close month to you, correct? Yeah. Uh, if you want to maybe go in a little bit into that and uh, what September is.
0: So um, September is Blood Cancer Awareness Month, um, Congress made that so um, in 2010, so it's kind of a more recent thing. Um, and so, for the entire month of September, um, you know, i I have personally been sharing things on my Facebook um, about c- cancer facts and blood cancer uh, facts. You know, leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma. Um, just trying to kind of raise awareness for that and raise funds for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Um, and because, as somebody who deals with leukemia every day. Um, it's really near and dear to my heart and I have a lot of friends um, and loved ones who have also been affected by a blood cancer and I think that it's hard to, I don't think you could talk to a single person that you know who doesn't know someone who has been affected by a cancer, right? Yeah. Um, and so every every cancer probably has their, their heyday or their month but um, I'm hoping that this month people will Take a little bit of time and learn a little bit about blood cancers and how how prevalent they are and how many people are living with a blood cancer or going to be diagnosed with a blood cancer the um, LLS and the American Cancer Society estimate that every single every three minutes a person is diagnosed with a blood cancer so we've been sitting here for 20, little, 20 almost minutes. 21 minutes so seven people in the time that we've been sitting here have been diagnosed with blood cancer and um, which is kind of a sobering fact, you know? And I, I didn't know anything about leukemia until I got diagnosed with it. Um, and uh, in that time, I've had a lot of forced education and there's still a ton that I don't know. So I try to educate myself and I hope that people will take a little time this month and educate themselves.
1: So what, um, you know, and, and go in depth as much as you like, um, but, you know, maybe just a little bit about your your story, your journey through, um, you know, being, perfectly fine, healthy to, you know, kind of where you are today.
0: I'm really bad about talking about this, um, without getting hysterical. So I'm going to try. Can, yeah, no, you're fine. Like I said, this I, is it
1: share, share as much or as little as you yeah. like. This is totally So I,
0: you know, I, I started CrossFit, um, like in my last year of law school hmm. and, um, that was a really good idea for me because it was a very good stress reliever. And then as I did study for the bar exam, law school stress little bit. Oh, a little Every now and again. <laughs> um, but as I studied for the bar exam, and even when I went and took the bar exam, I was in Columbus, so I went to CrossFit Grandview every day that I was there and worked out. And I think that was a really healthy choice for me. So I started making a lot more healthy choices. I don't think that I really grew up being super health conscious. Um, just the culture of where I grew up and, and the family that I grew up in, it just really wasn't You know, we eat a lot of vegetables, but maybe we fry them every now and again. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I I think I got to a point where I was feeling pretty fit and pretty focused. Um, And honestly, it just came down to, I had a lot of symptoms. Like if you look up symptoms of leukemia, they're really vague symptoms. Um, and, And the symptoms are vague until they become really super serious, right? Um, so there's a point at which you get really, really sick. And like, once you're, once you're at that point, you're on a downward slope and it's, it's hard to come back from that. So lucky for me, I was not at that point, but, um, I had had, um, unexplained weight loss when I was diagnosed. Um, I was 20 almost 20 pounds lighter than I am right now. And at Mm -hmm. four foot nine inches tall, like that's a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really thin. I thought I looked great. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought it was because I was exercising and eating right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really was because my white blood cell count was through the roof. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was really, really, really tired also because my white blood cells were through the roof. Um, I was falling asleep um, on my lunch hour. I would come home. I I live in Covington, I work in Newport, so I often will come home for lunch. Um, And especially if I'm done with court for the day, I put this on because (laughs) I don't want to wear a suit all day. Um, And so I was falling asleep and like not eating lunch and just falling asleep and getting a phone call like, where are you? Um, And I had fallen asleep and didn't realize it Um, and things like that. So there was all these symptoms that I I did have that I didn't recognize as symptoms of being ill. Um, And so I actually just went in. Um, and you know people start asking you when you after you turn 30 they start asking you things about like your cholesterol and things like that and you're like I don't, I don't know right mm-hmm. and um, so anyway I, I had routine blood work done and um, I had it done on a on a Wednesday and on a Thursday they called me and said like you need to see an oncologist hematologist today um, and I was like pretty freaked out about it um, and and she just you know she said you're she started rattling off numbers from my blood work and I and I, I, was, I had to make her slow down I said I don't I don't know what any of those words mean I don't know what the numbers mean um, and ultimately what she told me was that my so your white blood cells um, white high white blood high white blood cell count is like number one indicator in your blood work of leukemia um, and so your have you guys had blood work done recently not recently i'm
2: actually scheduled to get it like
0: so when you get it done you should look at it right like and you can go in your if you're St. elizabeth it's my chart or whatever Mm -hmm. it's really interesting because they'll they'll show you like all of the different things that they're testing in your blood and they show you what your range was Mm -hmm. and what the normal range is Um, and sometimes if it's like any if it's just like one point outside of the range it'll be highlighted well for me so a normal range for your white blood cell count, for instance, is usually between, somewhere between like three and 11, right? And that's like thousands per million or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a, yeah. that's a part, but it's three to 11. And mine were 294,000.
2: Oh boy.
0: Yeah. Um, and, that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, right? it's incredibly high. Um, and because of that, obviously, they were crowding out all of the red blood cells. So my red blood cells were incredibly low um and if you go back to biology and you remember like what your white cells and your blood red cells do your red cells carry oxygen to your blood your white cells fight infection Mm. so like i was invincible 100 Mm -hmm. percent um but i I was also at risk for blood clots um my platelet count so your platelet count if you if you look at it you'll probably see it's somewhere between 140 to 450 Mm. thousands right mine were over a million it was 1.2 million platelets uh, which means I was at very high risk for blood clots. If you um, cut yourself,
1: you'd scab instantly. Yeah, right, or I would die from a blood clot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and so all that, she's explaining these things, and I was just, you know, I'm, like, Googling, like, high white blood cell count, and everything says leukemia. And I was like, do I have cancer? Like, am I going to die? Like, and, you know, she... She's like, I don't know. You know, it could just be a lab mistake, but like, it's not a mistake or a, a risk we're willing to take. She said, you know, call these numbers. She said, if they can't get you in today, you call me back, and we'll get you into Christ Hospital. I know they'll take you. You know, like, it just was probably the it's probably the scariest conversation sure. I've ever had in my whole life. Um, I can't think of another time when I have had a medical professional tell me like, this cannot wait. You can't do it tomorrow. You can't do it next. I mean, how many times have you called your doctor and they're like, we got appointments in three months, you yeah, know? Right. Um, and um, so it was just really, it was the scariest conversation, you know? And yeah. I I went to see an oncologist, hematologist. Um, they specialize in blood cancers, you know? Um, and, you know, ultimately they, they initially put me on, like, blood thinners and things like that. Um, and there's a te- – they have to – send off a genetic test they do a bone marrow biopsy and they um, test your blood and they send it off for like a very specific genetic marker um, which I have and the rest is history
2: so the bone marrow test well, that 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 doesn't sound fun
0: it's not yeah it's no I've heard
2: that one's painful um,
0: but yeah. um,
2: but you get all those tests done and then
0: you get all the tests done and then um, there are first line approved treatments and there are second line approved treatments so lucky for me like even with even with my white blood cell count as high as it was um they still determined that i was in chronic phase so you when you hear about other cancers like say like breast cancer there's like stage one two three four five right so for um chronic myeloid leukemia because it's a slow growing cancer they have three phases Mm -hmm. um and so they have chronic they have accelerated and they have blast phase um and if you're in accelerated um they usually try and and do like a, a a burst of uh treatments that try to get you down right and and they're just basing this on the number of cancerous cells in your blood right this is like Microbiology, right? Um, and if I had been in ex- if I had been in blast phase, like I would die. Like once you're there, you, there's almost no coming back a, from it.
1: That's a very intense word to use for. Yeah, And like, they call the it worst. blast crisis. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you, like
1: chron- you know, I, not, and again, I'm sure there's a chronic reason. Chronic sounds better. It does. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It sounds. It just sounds like On such a very emotional and personal subject. Like blast crisis, crisis. is. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. not in the, you could call it purple
2: phase. Know <laughs> it, the doctors <laughs> would know what it means. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, like, all right, we're about to take you in the blast crisis. Let's get your. <laughs> I you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: so I, I, you know, I'm really lucky, you know, ultimately. And I think, you know, I have joined a lot of support groups and things like that. And I've heard from a lot of other people. Now, now to be clear, the median age um, is like 65 to 74, right? So, like, being diagnosed this young is not the norm mm-hmm. and it's a rare form of blood cancer anyway so like you're talking like half of one percent of all cancer diagnoses is chronic myeloid leukemia and like one half of that one half is people my age wow so there's not that many people my age who deal with it so oncologists right. don't see a lot of people my age um and you know my oncologist was very clear that the fact that i was so healthy going in mm-hmm. you know like they don't know when this started growing because it's a slow growing cancer mm-hmm. i might have had it um for years and they you know probably t- two years based on the size of my spleen so they measured the size of your spleen whenever uh, mine was like the size of a nerf football which is apparently pretty big it's not supposed to be oh, that yeah, big Jack's spleen. Uh, <laughs> um but it made it really hard to breathe i mean, it was like pressing against my lung it made it hard That's to like breathe a... i got really short of breath um and things like that so i mean there was just there was a lot of emotional things you know and it's really hard to unpack that mm-hmm. and figure out like how to tell people, what do you tell, nobody understands what you're talking about, right? Yeah.
1: Well, because, and again, because you're, when you think of cancer, mm-hmm. you you have the kind of person in your head already.
0: It's finite, right? You know, like, you, yeah. you,
1: like okay, well, this is usually what this person looks like, especially if you're going through chemo and things mm-hmm. like that, like you have this idea. And you see someone like yourself, you're like, what are you talking about? You know, know, like you said, like, I look great. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so, so how do you, you know, it's like, how do you go through that and, and explain to people what's wrong? And they're like, what do you mean you're short of breath? And what do you mean you're tired all the time? It's like, it's, you know, it's like the
2: running joke though, with like WebMD, right? It's like, I got to right. hang now. Oh, I got cancer. Yeah. You know, if you Google the symptoms, Oh yeah. So, but it's so hard to pick up on that.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: um. So, um, You said chronic, right? So chronic meaning this is something you have...
0: Chronic meaning it's slow-growing and that um, because of organizations like the LLS, right, which I'm hoping people will get on their Google and look it up and read some stuff, um, but they have been working diligently since, like, the 60s. They have quadrupled survival rates for blood cancers. Right. So when they and i'm using the elusive they right when researchers figured out what caused chronic myeloid leukemia right they figured out that it was a translocation of your chromosome so you have 11 sets of chromosomes right and they look like this Um, and when someone has chronic myeloid leukemia for whatever reason they don't know why and they don't know when and they don't know how to stop it from happening but at some point chromosome 9 and chromosome 22 translocate Mm. and they're not supposed to pair like 9 is supposed to pair with 9 and 22 is supposed to pair with 22 but for whatever reason they twist up your your chromosomes Mm. Um, and so that triggers the overproduction of a protein a specific protein in your white blood cells that causes your white blood cells to like mass produce in a ridiculous way Mm. and that that is CML Uh. and um, when they discovered that they didn't know what to do about it Right, so for 40 years, 50 years, they, they people just died. I mm-hmm. mean, and like it didn't happen in six months, but you know, in three years, you were gonna die, and there was nothing they could do about it um, except make you comfortable. And wow. um, eventually, like your your white blood cells, we're gonna crowd out all the healthy red blood cells. And I just I don't know why I'm getting emotional about that. This is not happening to me, but. Um, Eventually, you were going to die. Your blood was essentially going to turn to sludge. It's Bad news. And you were going to die. And so, because of organizations like the LLS, they were able to fund a lot of research. And so, this brilliant researcher named Dr. Drucker um, figured out how to target the production of that specific protein, which is... Fabulous, right? Yeah, they can. Are so smart, it's the unbelievable. I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. So they can they Crazy. can target the overproduction of a specific protein called tyrosine kinase. Um, and so he developed a tyrosine kinase inhibitor, like a drug that specifically targets the overproduction of that protein. And um, they did all these clinical trials, and lo and behold, people were not dying anymore. And um, so that drug was first approved in 2001. So, um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Know, I mean, it's crazy, yeah. right? I
1: want to, I want to just com- basically compliment you. You know, we're talking about you having something that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. And one of the things you said was, I'm lucky.
0: Yeah. You I know, mean,
1: like, and to have that perspective, yeah. I think.
0: Well, it took time. I didn't feel that way. Oh, two years I, I, I hundred, a hundred, a <laughs> hundred
1: percent. No, yeah. but, but I'm saying, you know, you know, as time goes on and you know, like you said you do more research and you, things like that it's like it, what are the chances that that drug was made at that time and and that you have this chronic form yeah. and not right. blast crisis phase yeah. thank I mean, god
0: what are the odds right like we're talking about 2001 right mm-hmm. the same yeah, 17 sure. years ago sure. this drug was uh, approved by the FDA and it's just like you know I will never know like what was that cosmic nod or push that like made me go get my blood work done at that time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like I'll I'll never know why that happened. Um I think people who are religious have a theory on that. I think, you know, people who aren't have a different theory or whatever, but you know, I do feel incredibly lucky because my doctor asked like, have you had unexplained weight loss? I'm like, no, it's super explainable. I work really hard at it. Yeah. You know, he's like, "Do are you fatigued? I'm like, yes, I'm a lawyer and I CrossFit right. and I'm busy. You know, have yeah. you, do you have night sweats? And I said, well, do you mean I wake up like hot? Yeah, I live in a hundred and five year old house, and the air conditioning's not great upstairs. Like there was, an, there was an answer yeah. to everything. Right. He was like, "Do you have this symptom? No. Do you have this symptom? No. Do you have this symptom? No. Do you have this symptom? No." Right, mm-hmm. and the the truth is, is like after the fact, yeah, I totally had all of those symptoms, right? right, as explained by the fact that I rapidly gained back 20 pounds, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, uh, and it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, the biggest, I think the, the hardest thing for me to try and talk to people about it is that they're like, okay, well, like, how is treatment going, when will you be in remission, like, when will you be done, and that's the hard part, because they don't know how to fix it, all they know how to do is tamp it down, Mm-hmm. Right, so the drugs that I take um, They tamp it down mm-hmm. and as soon as I stop taking them it ramps back up and they they overproduce at a faster rate mm-hmm. So I got sick um, Last year in February and I couldn't get well and they finally said, you know You you have to take you have to stop taking your meds because they're immunosuppressive And mm-hmm. like you're just not going to get better with it, taking them right. and so I stopped taking them under the direction of my oncologist for two weeks and my numbers were almost as high as they were at diagnosis. And like, that shouldn't happen, right? right? Um, but your body, we all know, we, with weight loss, right? Your body fights against change, mm-hmm. like real hard. And so, you know, I will probably have to take these drugs for the rest of my life. And they're not fun drugs to take, um, so I don't feel lucky in that regard. But I well, feel lucky that I get to have a long life, you know. Yeah. I and
1: not to mention, I mean, we were just talking this morning during Barbell Club about, you know, right now you're, it's like I'm tired because I'm throwing up every other night. Yeah, you know, it's and it's hard. it's just something that you you have to uh, bear and and live with at this point, you know. Yeah, but the yeah, obviously <laughs> the obviously the alternative is 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 way worse. Yeah, you know? I mean, so.
0: It's not a viable choice, you know. I think people often are like, you're, you know, especially for people have to take traditional treatments and things like that, which are more intense, right? They're shorter-lived, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, most people are lucky that they don't have to do it for years, right? They, mm-hmm. they undergo chemo or radiation or whatever, and, and hopefully, you know, and thankfully, it's usually a pretty short blip in the span of a lifetime, right? right. Um, but I don't get that finite thing, right? It feels like a life sentence in some ways, you know, um, and it's always changing, right? Like I wasn't throwing up every other night for the past, you know, year and a half. And all of a sudden this is, they've added other drugs because, you know, this pill that I take causes this side effect, which is fixed by this other pill that I take, which causes this side effect. And I have to take this other pill to fix, you know what I mean? And you just, you end up playing, you know, telephone with your medications and and eventually they don't play well together, which is what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just put a bucket in your room there and you, you throw know. up into it and your loving fiance takes it down and, and gets rid of it so you can go back to sleep. Yeah. And that's yeah. just, you know, you just deal with it.
1: Um, what what kind of role does fitness play in your life currently? You know, and, and maybe as far as your treatment goes as well.
0: Um, well, as far as my health goes, um, it's very important um, to continue to do weight bearing exercises um, and cardio, um, high intensity, you know, interval training, or whatever. Um, just in terms of trying to maintain my health and my vigor. Um, oddly enough, the prescription for chemo induced fatigue is exercise. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean they've done all kinds of studies that, that it actually counterintuitive though it might seem it actually is productive um, mm-hmm. for people struggling with fatigue um, to exercise um, but also to learn to listen to your body but for me it's like a mostly I think a mental thing you know mm-hmm. just to come and have something else to think about um, and listen to other people talk about what they have going on and you know the, I think for everybody crossfit and barbell and stuff is a social thing I mean it's definitely a fitness tool but it's always a, been for me like a social thing and mental stimulus, you know, my job is really hard. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, like, you know, one of the things we, we talk about a lot here is, you know, we're trying to provide a sanctuary for people's day. You know, you should be able to come go any, whatever that is for you, you know, is what we do for our people, but you should be able to have a place you can go that is yours. Oh yeah. That you can shut off, you know,
0: I definitely have been the person who comes through the door, like in a, Black cloud. I mean, I've definitely been that person wow. on many days who comes in, you know, and having a bad day, but I, I rarely leave that person. You know what I mean? I usually am able to leave that person, you know, under the barbell or in a pool of sweat on the uh-huh. floor or whatever, you know, and it's, it's a thing to be grateful for that there are people like you guys, you know, or people like other trainers at other gyms or whatever who are willing to take people at their worst and say, you know what? Get your heart rate up. You're going to feel better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's true, right? You get that, all the aggression or whatever, you know, and, you know, they just crank the music up and you just go at it and then you do feel better, right? You get those endorphins, you release that adrenaline and you do feel better. Um, And I think it's, it's awesome to have a place to do that, you know?
2: I mean, I think anyone that starts a gym, uh, finds fitness essential to life, you know? And that's why we kind of believe in it. It's like... By doing this, I've improved, you know, not only just my physical condition, but my mental and emotional, spiritual, whatever, you know, all, all the states. Um, and that's... I think if you're
1: doing it right, fitness is the byproduct of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, I just listened in the radio uh, on the way home yesterday, and they, they opened the first, uh, believe it or not, the first Starbucks in Italy you know the whole concept of starbucks came from a trip to italy if you guys knew that or not like he went to italy Uh and had his first cappuccino and that's where starbucks started so they they opened their first one in milan it's a 2500 square foot space with marble and all this stuff and but the point is is they're talking to you know and of course guy works for starbucks but he's he's talking about he's like we don't sell coffee you know, we sell convenience, we sell a, a, a warm place, we sell, you know, they're selling this experience and the coffee is the byproduct, mm-hmm. you know, it's what you what we're trying to do is like, the fitness is the byproduct, what we're trying to uh, is quote sell is, you know, the experience of being here and being with other people and being with people who are like you, people who are not like you, you know, to kind yeah. of get this w- different worldview than you would get anywhere else. Yeah. You know, and I think that the more you can do that, uh, the better off we're all going to be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think we've definitely discovered by now, like isolation doesn't work. Yeah. You know, whenever you're constantly isolating yourself, and you know, people suck, and all these things, it's like you need to get that social interactive, act, you know, interaction between all yeah. LA humans.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think you find the best people, right? Mm-hmm. Who you know, you got a bunch of people who like look good, feel good you know, sweating out their problems and, Mm -hmm. you know, releasing all these endorphins, right? Like you're going to, you're in good company, you know, I feel like that's, that's been helpful for me for sure.
1: Absolutely. So, um, one of the things you said a little bit earlier is, you know, you, you kind of go through, you help people support groups and things like that. Um, what, Uh, Maybe outside of, uh, obviously, CrossFit and weightlifting and things like that, those those help. What other things do you use for support for yourself?
0: Well, um, I also sing in a choir. Um, Very well, mind you. (laughs) I sing uh, in the Young Professionals Choral Collective, um, which is a mouthful, but um, I found that group, oddly, um, in the spring of 2016, um, and I... You know, it just it's so interesting. It's just a group of people, 21 to 45. There's no audition, you know, and you just you just walk in. You pay like 30 bucks for your music. They give you your music and you sit down. And you're just surrounded by all these really cool people, right? Similar to CrossFit, but, you know, they, they're these artsy, intelligent people. And, you know, you're in this room of 160 people, generally, or so. You know, and there's doctors and lawyers and veterinarians and engineers and teachers and marketing professionals and you know, just people who do all of these different things, you know, and they just come together to make music. And I think for me, I always grew up loving music, loving to sing, was always able to like carry a tune. I mean, even when I was itty bitty, like it just was a God given talent that I had. Um, And when I, you know, for me, it's kind of like the trifecta, right? Like work is like your mind um, and CrossFit is like your body. And like, for me, music is kind of like my spirit, you know? Um, And it's opened up so many opportunities for me to like make friends and meet cool people. Um, And I feel like I have probably one of the most diverse groups of friends because I have like my fitness friends and then I have like work friends and law school friends and then I have like my choir friends, you know, Um, and getting to do all kinds of things with them. I think that has been really supportive for me and you know, um, they had an opportunity a year or so ago, um, to make a charitable donation and they asked for suggestions and I was really honored. They, um, they made a donation to LLS in my name. Um, and I got a little card in the mail and I just thought that was just so special and so meaningful. Um, because like, I don't, I don't personally like need that much, right? Like I need people to give me grace whenever I am like in a chemo fog and I can't remember like why I went from one room to another. And I need, you know, I need somebody to tell me it's okay to skip a workout when I vomited up everything I ate last night, you know, and like I need that. But like I'm okay, you know, day to day I'm okay. But um
1: but, There are other people who are not.
0: Huh? There's other people who are not There are people who are not and and um you know I had this really weird experience where like I you know I had this chronic cancer that nobody understands and I try really hard to educate people about it and that's why I spend September being obnoxious on Facebook, saying like, please look at this, look at this, look at this, like, here are these facts, here this. Um, you know, and then I had this weird experience where like this other person at my gym who was also really fit and young and healthy, like got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I, I think I cried harder for her than I did for me, you mm. know, because it just, it seems unfair. Mm. Um, it seems like, you know, people who take care of themselves should be okay, you know, and it doesn't seem fair. And so I think for me to take care of myself is mostly, you know, to, to try and interact in these communities where people are there for me, but I can be there for them too. Mm-hmm. See, I told you, I can't talk about it without getting It's an emotional
1: um, subject. I mean, like you said, uh, there is, you would be hard pressed to find one person. That has not been affected in some yeah, way shape or yeah. form by you know especially yeah. people who are yeah. our age if you're, if you're nine or ten you yeah. Know, yeah but but I mean especially our age where you know uh, I remember going through high school and you know kid died of, of leukemia you know yeah. and it's like you've, we've had aunts and uncles and friends and family and, and yeah. you know people that have gone through it while we've been at this this locate just this location yeah. you know so it's a it's a it's a terrifying you know like you said you feel like you're doing everything right you know it seems so unfair it it does it really really does and and there's it's it sometimes just seems like a flip of a coin you know so um but i i totally understand uh at least where you're coming from with that just, just being emotionally impacted by by other people
0: it's just yeah it's just hard you know and i just i i thought the whole time i thought you know I can walk through any mall or store or whatever and, like, not a single person would ever know I have cancer. Um, And sometimes there are days when I hate that because I feel like crap and I just want people to understand mm-hmm. and then there are days when I'm so thankful for that because like I don't right. have to talk about it every day you don't have to explain it to people all the time yeah. if I don't want to you know and then you know I watched my friend Sarah lose her hair she's beautiful mm-hmm. long thick beautiful long blonde hair and she lost her hair mm-hmm. you know and like she can't walk through Target without people knowing mm-hmm. you know or assuming anyway you know the like she's going what she's going through you know and like that's she can't hide from it she can't get away from it you know like they're there i didn't believe people but they you know um, when i was first diagnosed like people in these support groups were like you know you'll get to a point where like there are days you don't even think about the fact that you have cancer Mm. you know and like by golly there are days that i don't think about it you know like when i'm busy having fun and feeling good that I don't think about it at all, you know, and I don't, I don't know that that's true for people who have to undergo traditional treatments who lose their hair, you know, where it's just like a constant reminder. Um, and so I, I'm thankful for that sometimes, you know, and then other times it's frustrating, but
1: yeah, I can see both sides for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we've, Maybe just talk a little bit about what's maybe next for you on the horizon. I mean, I know you
0: lifting all the things, lifting all the
1: things. Yeah, we, we've been going through Always. some going through some uh, technique changes and things like that. So I know we had a, a mentally a rough meet uh, recently. So, but that's that's epic failure. But but that's that is a good thing. I you know yeah. it's the same kind of thing you're talking about before. It doesn't seem like at the time, but I promise you, it's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, it was an epic
0: it, failure. It was something I really looked forward to. Um, that's cool. But I, I enjoy doing weightlifting meets. Um, I don't think I'll ever win one, you know, unless I'm the only person there. <laughs> but I really enjoy the challenge of it. It's so different from a CrossFit competition.
1: I love the solidarity. Yeah. I love the you can kind of go into yourself, you know, uh, in the really good days. You know, you're, you feel like you've conquered the world. Yeah. You know? So uh, it, it's really hard to explain when you when – only understand the, the CrossFit side yeah, of it, because everyone, everyone snatches and clean jerks. Yeah,
0: well, and everyone, you know, at a CrossFit competition, right, like, you, there's the friendly competition where everybody's like, yeah, you know, and there's a the person, they're going to make their max attempt, and they missed it, and they're going to try again, and they have, like, 13 seconds, and they're going right. to try it again, and everyone's, like, screaming, and they're like, you look a new and adrenaline right? kicks in, and you just hear sure. all of this stuff, right, and a weightlifting meet is, like, so different, right, just silent you miss your first attempt, right? And you put more weight on the bar because you know you can hit it and you go out and people are like, come on, Tamara, you can do it, yeah. right? Everybody's like, oh. golf club. like they're like holding their breath, mm-hmm. you know, but they, it's the same feeling, right? Like it's that same, like we really want you to lift that bar, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We want it to be a good lift and you know, um, and I really like that. I like the, the, the focus of it, mm-hmm. you know? I, uh,
1: I've talked to Jeff about it. It's a little bit of zen because yeah. again it's just you and a bar and
0: yeah and then uh, like the whole world disappears you know and you just are like this is it this is the only thing I have to focus on is getting this bar from the floor overhead without dropping it so.
2: and I think it's very black and white for the audience too even like people that Hey, just come watch me do this thing. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, yeah. you'll find out. Yeah. And Every now like, and then, there's
1: the oh, there's a little elbow bend that you're yeah. like, why they why is that no good? But the, but like you yeah. said, did it go overhead or did it not? Yeah. You know, <laughs>
0: it's a so for me, I you know I, I want to continue to do weightlifting meets um, because it's it's uncomfortable and I like pushing myself there. Um, I certainly have to redeem myself from the meet that I just did that was terrible. Um, bad 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 personal experience (laughs) um i just had a really terribly off day um so i want to come back from that um but you know i also i back at crossfit i took a little hiatus from crossfit um found out that i i want to do crossfit i like doing crossfit Um, it's different yeah it's a completely different muscle stimulation it's a completely different mental stimulation you talk
2: about a yin and a
0: yang yeah
1: and Good there's certain problems. days you got to back off, like in a pers- just in a personal yeah. note, there's days where I'm like, I'm not doing that workout because I know I'm at 85, 90% yeah. this other right. day. Yeah. But there's other days where it's just like, I just need to sweat. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. need to get
0: my heart rate right. up and, and sweat and everything like that. So, you know, for me personally, that's I, those are kind of like my fitness fitness goals. And then, you know, I've got a, um, I've got a goal to raise money for the LLS. Um, I'm, about, I'm a little more than halfway there. Um, but I'm walking in the Light the Night Walk um, in October. I'm actually doing it in Lexington because I'm going to be out of town for the night that they have it in Cincinnati. Um, but so How
1: do people find that find that information? That out?
0: information? Well, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I can send you the link if you want to post it like, sure. with the podcast. Um, but um, it's, the, it's on the LLS website. It's the main thing on the LLS website right now is the Light the Night Walk um and i have a personal like fundraising page that um what we do is we raise money um and it all goes towards the LLS obviously and then um the walk itself is really cool they have it in cities all across the united states on different nights um and it's just like a it's like a celebration event um and it's always really emotional for me and i cry every year um <laughs> because you see people who who had it worse than you you know what i mean people who are much much sicker than i will probably thankfully ever be um and you know they give out lanterns for patients and survivors that are white um and they give out red ones for people who are there to support people and they give out gold ones to people who are walking in memory um and it's pretty incredible to see like um Boy, yeah. I'm super bad at You're this. You're uh, <laughs> I can just imagine the sea of those um, colors just mixing. It's beautiful. And, um, and it's and it's uplifting um, and it's heartbreaking. Um, and it's just really special. But they take all that money, you know, and they, they use it to um, have patient advocates and patient support specialists so that, like, if I need something or they change one of my medications and I can't afford it, like, I can call someone at the LLS chapter and they can put me in touch with you know, patient support and, um, you know, they, they make these patient support groups and these, um, social events and things like that. So, I mean, it's a really valuable resource, not only for the research for life serving medications, which by the way are really important, you know, um, I think in the past 10 years, like 40 therapies that are like approved for larger cancer treatments were originally researched for blood cancers, you know what I mean? So like, even if you're saying, well, my family has a history of breast cancer or colon cancer or whatever, you know, one of those treatments might have come out of a blood cancer researcher's lab. Um, so, I think it's really important. So, I'm, you know, I'm doing that um, and yeah, just, you know, trying to get through day by day, you know, L- trying to live my best life. I'm planning a wedding. You know. uh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> yep, that's a whole um, other part of it. Planning a trip to New York City. I'm going to sing at Carnegie Hall with uh, the Young Professionals Choral that's Collective. That's amazing that's fantastic. going to be really cool yeah um i auditioned to be in an opera i got a call back so i'm nice. gonna <laughs> be i do all the things you know that's amazing oh, no uh, it's
1: it's absolutely fantastic to hear trying
0: to live my best life
1: as as everyone should one you day know? at a time right yeah if uh if take anything uh away from someone who's you know faced with something pretty grave and huge and gravity and things like that that most people come on the other side and like, I need to go do stuff. Yeah. You know, you experience deal. life, right?
0: Yeah, you gotta do all the things. You know, there's like there's a there's a one in five chance that I won't survive CML, right? Like survival five year relative survival rate is eighty percent, which is not awesome, but it's better than it used to be. Um, and there's, you know, tons of evidence to support the fact that, you know, there's these five treatments, right, and I'm on number three um, because one didn't work and one had terribly adverse side effects from my heart and, um, you know, there's there's two other treatments that would be available to me um, if this one fails and they determine things by failure. It's like if you don't reach um, what they call major molecular remission, right, you don't get enough mm-hmm. cells tamped down, then they, they call you say you're not in Molecular remission, and you know, we have to change or, or alter your treatment in some way, you know. But there's tons and tons of people who end up with mutations where their bodies say, you know what, I don't like this medication. Well, let me change my genetics a little more so that the the treatment doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I'm really hopeful that that never happens. But it's something I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and and I, you
1: can't, but you can't take time to dwell on it. Obviously, You day,
0: can't. You, you know? can't dwell on it at all because it'll drive you crazy. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, I just, like, I want to... I, I don't... You know, we all know that tomorrow's not promised. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, for those people that got on those planes in yeah. 2001, like, they had no idea that that was right. the last day of their life. Um, and so, like, we never know. I mean, I could get hit by a bus on the way to work, right? Sure. Like, who knows? But um, I missing. think just... I gained a perspective that a lot of people my age don't have and um, not because my doctor said you're gonna die right but because my doctor said you are dying Mm -hmm. um, and we think that we can slow it down you know but your life is different forever you know and they they always talk about this new normal and I think that's kind of BS right there's no new normal right everything's changing for me all the time but. I, it does make me more of a yes person, I think, than I ever was before. You know, like I said, when I was 21 and I had a job and they were like, well, it's an hour away, so, like, you can commute an hour away or you can just move. And I was like, I think I'll drive. You yeah. know what I mean? And and so, like, now I'm like, well, you know, whatever. That's what I want to do. Let's move. Yeah, good. that's what I'm yeah. just going to do it. And I, and I think that, you know, I've been able to surround myself with communities of people who are supportive of that you know which
2: is cool I think think people can learn a lot from that you Mm -hmm. know just appreciating each day and even if you're not diagnosed with cancer like put your phone down and experience life with other people Yeah. you know especially in this day and age I think that's a
0: big time problem I'm a big fan of like um, I I saw a a thing um, where you know when you have a dinner party or you have a party at your house you just have a basket at the door Mm -hmm. and everybody puts their phone in the basket you yeah, know, I love that. And like you can check, if you got kids or what, you can check it every hour. Right. But like, yeah. you know, very nobody- very rarely
1: is thank and thank God very rarely is something that extreme going on that you have to answer right. at that exact moment.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so one thing we always and I'm very very interested to hear your your response, but um, it's just a simple question, and that is, what is your definition of success?
0: Definition of success, I think, would be giving whatever your task is, I think giving it your best shot and knowing that you left it all on the table um, and regardless of whether or not it's an objective success, um, knowing that you, you gave it your all and learning something from it, right? So as a public defender, this is especially relevant um, because we don't traditionally win a lot, right? We get really bad cases um, and, you know, our clients are often found guilty or sent to prison or whatever, you know, but the the win is not really, the success is not in the outcome, Mm. it's in the process. Mm. Um, And so for me, I think, I'm more of a process-oriented person than an outcome-oriented person. Again, um, in part because of my job, and because of my personality, because of this diagnosis. Right? Like, there's no win. Like, I don't get the last treatment day celebration. I don't. I don't get that. So, like, you just have to let that go and say. Well, like, what's success today? Success is a day I don't throw up everything in the yeah. middle of the night. Success is a day that, you know, I can get to my workout and feel good and get a good night's sleep and not feel achy and not have to ice my joints at the end of the day. Like, that's a success. And so you just have to constantly redefine what success is, and it, and it just can't be outcome-oriented, right? It has to, you know, it's this is journey, not the destination kind of an idea, right? It just has to be the process is the success. Sure.
2: Yeah.
1: I like it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for yeah. sharing yeah, your story. Thanks for Great. having me. Um, we'll uh, we'll post a link to the walk on um, on the page and everything so that people can find you there. Uh, and we'll we'll do our best to kind of spread the word. So It'd be awesome. Thank uh, you. Thank you all for listening to Everyday or Try Every. Wow. Thank you all for listening to Triumph Every Day. That's the name of the new podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and everywhere your favorite podcasts are found. You can find us on triumphstrength.net, on Instagram at triumphstrength, and Facebook at facebook.com slash triumphstrength. See you guys next week. Thank you.